So, Brian, uh, you've made a lot of changes over the last year. You've been doing a lot. I have, yeah. Um, so when we talked last year, I was at a startup that um, I still work with, still advise, but I'm not an employee there. And uh, I left because I had a mission. I had a purpose that I had to fulfill, right? So I was, uh, for people who didn't hear the last episode, I was 20 years. Buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Brian Falchek, number two. Deuce. Number deuce. Two. Brian, it's been <laughs> what a year? Yeah, it, you know what it was uh, at when I was at Connected Claims last year, and Connected yeah. Claims just happened last week. So it's been fifty-three. Long oh wow! Years. Yeah, and you were. I know you missed us. You you were in, were you in the hotel in room? The, yeah, it was in the Marriott Marquis in Chicago. <laughs> I'd like just checked in and made it upstairs just in time to connect with you guys. So you were hairy, talking about. But, yeah, and you were talking about how exciting insurance uh, conventions are. <laughs> yeah, no, they're awesome. It's it's almost too much, and so you know they've all been canceled right now and moved virtually just so we can, uh, maybe for other reasons too. But we've also been able to calm down. Yeah, contain your excitement. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian, uh, you've made a lot of changes over the last year. You've been doing a lot. I have. Yeah. Um, so when we talked last year, I was at a startup that um, I still work with, still advise, but I'm not an employee there. And uh, I left because I had a mission, I had a purpose that I had to fulfill. Right. So I was, uh, for people who didn't hear the last episode, like I was 20 years on the carrier side in PNC and then went to the insure tech side. And throughout that process, like I kept running into the same conversation about, you know, we're all stuck. We all got lots of constraints in the industry, whether it's regulation or culture or whatever. Um, and customers are demanding us to change. They want a different customer experience. And you've got a lot of startups that are pushing us to do that too, because they're doing it. Um, and so carrier after carrier having that same feeling of like, you know, we're under pressure and we don't know what to do about it because we can't. And I was obviously able to help them through that struggle or else like, startup wouldn't have continued in business we wouldn't have made any sales but um that's not really good enough for me like it's fine that i help those carriers but the conversation needs to be had more broadly because there's basically like the whole industry is feeling it Mm. um so just trying to you know spread that out and that's what brought me back to you guys this is book that i've been working on that just came out that's um trying to tell that story about how we can innovate and evolve as an industry despite all the constraints that we face um, cause we can, but it takes some changes. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's the name of the book and, um, can we jump into, into that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the book's called the future of insurance from disruption to evolution. And it's basically like a discussion of that place that I think as an industry collectively, we find ourselves in. I mean, you guys have been hearing it for decades, like, oh, the agent channel is going to go away. Agents will be dead. There'll be no more agents. And that's not true. Like it's never been true. And I don't think it will ever be like, I think there's a lot of value in the agent and broker channel. Um, but now it's also like, and here are these new carriers who are starting up. And so traditional carriers will be dead too. So agents and carriers, everyone's going to die. Um, and like, I don't think that's the case, but there's a lot of change coming. So how do we deal with that? And then I move from that conversation into seven case studies with seven carriers who opened up 
um, you know, firsthand. Like I talked to the people at the carriers who did some pretty innovative things despite those constraints uh, to keep moving their business forward. And then the question is, so what do you learn from that? Mm. Yeah. So what can you mention those seven carriers? Because I know the last time we weren't allowed to be all secretive. To. Yeah. 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 Um, so the seven carriers, and I'll try to do this in order. This is how I challenge my <laughs> mind to stay sharp. Um, CSAA, so largest AAA carrier based out in California. Um, mm. CNA. Number three is, I'm buying time so I can remember it, the State Compensation <laughs> Insurance Fund of California, SCIF. Um, number <clears> four is Ohio Mutual, uh, which is a mutual based in Ohio. People who don't know them are awesome, but they're bigger than Ohio, but that's their headquarters. Um, you wouldn't guess from that name. No, no, they're from, uh, <laughs> although, you know what, I will say Indiana Insurance, part of Liberty Mutual I used to work with. Um, <sighs> their headquarters in Ohio. So you never know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Yeah. Um, all right. So where are we at? We're number four. Number five is employers. We've got monoline comp carrier. Uh, number six is AXA XL. In, in particular, their construction business, their large, like, risk-engineered construction vertical. And then the last one is this little company out of Texas called USAA. Um, so I, I got a good story from them. The, the first six are all about, like, a specific kind of innovation that was done. And USAA's broadens out, and it's actually about innovating innovation. So they had a thriving innovation function and, and community there, and they decided they they needed to make the next evolution of it. So how do you do that? So it was a, a nice one to end on. Like, let's let's take the whole idea of innovation and see where that's heading and how do we keep that fresh and moving us forward. Interesting. Any, any um, some interesting takeaways from... Yeah, you want me to give away the book? I can give no, away... No, no. No, yeah, like, yeah. Little teasers, just tease me. Copies, but... <laughs> Um, I actually like, I, I'm fine talking about the main, the main ideas that come out of it. Cause I think like if it's interesting and people want more, they'll get more, um, totally. but there are like, there are three big ideas that come out of it. And some people are a little bit surprised that an innovation book, none of the ideas is tech. Um, cause it's not about that. Like <clears throat> tech will change. Um, you yeah. know, like I could say, oh, this is the cloud solution you need to use, but like, okay, that's from Amazon and you're a Microsoft shop, so you can't do that. So it's like, does that mean you don't do anything in the cloud? Like it's situational, right? <laughs> right. It depends on what you're trying to solve for. So it's not about tech. It's actually about culture and values and leadership. So oh, the first awesome. one is all about your customers. Like your customers hold the answers. The key is to actually ask them and then listen to what they say. Um, and those are two distinct things. And both <laughs> critical and I've seen carriers and agents and brokers and TPAs and IAs and everyone um, claim to be doing either or both of those things, but not really. And so you, you miss out and um, you guys know Coverger, right? Sheffy from Coverger, it's really good comment that we're in an industry where the customers are indifferent. And so if you're working on something they don't care about, you shouldn't be working on it. And I don't like, I don't agree with that a hundred percent because there's a lot of stuff we have to work on in this industry that customers definitely don't care about. Um, right. That, you know, like there's stuff we have to do that keep the lights on, but if it's customer facing or it has an impact on them, it should be something they care about. So gotta be relevant. Awesome. Yeah, totally. I mean, you guys know, like you can't, you can't go into a meeting with a, a prospect or an existing client and start talking to them about stuff they don't care about and expect anything to come up, come from that meeting other than right. wasting everyone's time. So like you got to be out there. Yep. Um, yep. 
and the second one is similar, but looking internally, and that's your people. So like your staff, your you know your associates, your frontline folks who are actually interacting with those customers and doing the work and stuck in those parts of the process that are painful. They actually have most of the ideas for what will make you better. It's not just going to come from the C-suite or the leaders or, the managers or whatever. Like everyone should be participating in that. A, because they actually know. B, because they're the ones who are going to have to live with the change. So getting their insights and their thoughts on it means not only will you build it better, but you'll have them bought in from the start because they were part of the solution. And C, because then you're changing their mindset going forward because now they're about making things better and being a part of where the company's heading. Um, and that's something every carrier talks about, but a lot of them struggle with, that employee engagement. So here's a really good chance to drive that a lot stronger. Well, Brian, why do you think that they struggle with getting that employee engagement? I think it's been it's been a difficult thing in the industry as a whole for a variety of reasons. One is like, it's tough work. You know, you think about on the claim side, like you get hit with um, the worst things that people are going through, which is depressing. Like first responders go through that too. When you, you know, like there's famous stories of rescue dogs in 9-11 that they were getting so depressed finding bodies. They started to plant live people every like five to 10, you know, not live people that they found just because the dogs wouldn't search anymore. Like it does hit, like everyone on a claims team, it's hard. No. You know, you listen to the worst of the worst and as empathetic as you are doing that work, like it starts to hit you. So part of it is, is the job. And let's be fair, like a lot of people presume their carriers out to screw them, not support them. <laughs> right. So a lot yeah. of those calls, not only is it a bad story, but like it's adversarial at the beginning. Um, you know, you're facing off against them. Same thing with sales is like, is a lot of no's. So you have to be optimistic because, you know, not every one of those quotes is going to play out into a policy or every one of those leads is going to play out into a quote. Um, right. And people are presuming you're kind of screwing them or there's a catch or you're holding back and, you know, you're not buying a stereotypical used car purchase. Like it doesn't have to mm. be, but that's there. So I think people are a little bit beat down by the nature of the interaction, the work and the systems and the processes. So that, you know, like it, it tempers the excitement. And the real reason to me is historically as an industry and plenty of industries suffer from this, we haven't been great at engaging them. And now all of a sudden no. it's important and we care and we do free lunches or whatever other, but like, what are you doing day to day to reinforce that people have a voice and they're empowered and they can take risks and they should feel like they're owners of the business too. I, mean, mm -hmm. I think that's something the startup world does really well is because they can't afford to pay anyone with actual money. They give a lot of shares, um, you know, so technically like everyone who's grinding it out, trying to make that business a success is probably an owner to some degree. Um, there's a lot of value in that, you know, assuming mm -hmm. that we'll take that seriously. So yeah. I, I think as an industry, we need to keep finding ways to do better on engagement, even if for no other reason than the work itself is kind of working against that on a day in day out basis. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting that, that people like the general public has this perception of, of insurance and insurance carriers, yeah. um, which then leads to the employees come and they, before they were employees, they were customers, yeah. right? So they, they come with this pre-built in pre-wired and we find it with the salespeople. Um, and so I, I, maybe it needs to start back one step with the consumer. And I think they're trying. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how can they make faster progress? 
Yeah. So I think there's, we need to change the message. And I think there has been progress here. Um, I think it's going to be slow and steady. Um, one of the things is we need to get off the joke about how uncool it is to be an insurance. Like that's <laughs> right. Like, oh, like, oh, you work in insurance. Great. Can we talk about something else? Like, actually, you know what? It's an incredibly interesting industry. There's a ton going on. There's a lot of innovation and a lot of really cutting edge tech, tech that people just don't hear about outside of like we all get it because all we hear is AI and ML and blockchain and whatever else. But like what other industries are using drones the way that we are? Um, you know, or AI other than like the military, you know, most people mm. don't work with drones on a daily basis unless it's for personal use or, you know, they're in the military. That's pretty cool. Like there's actually a lot going on. Blockchain is not changing many industries other than like kids who are investing in Bitcoin or whatever. And there is a lot of experimentation and early moves going on in insurance around blockchain. And yeah, it's for uncool things like Subro. But you know how many billions of dollars that is? It's a huge deal. So you start to get under it, and it's like, actually, we are doing a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, there's a lot of startup activity. There's a lot of VC activity. So it's actually a pretty interesting industry. And by the way, the core of it is putting people's lives back together when they've been shattered, which is like, you know, it's a super important. You know, when people are like, oh, it's not brain surgeries, and you're not curing cancer. It's like, no, but those people have lost their home and everything they own. <clears throat> So right. I know right. it's not curing cancer, but like that my friends of mine, their house just burnt down. Like their lives are shattered right now. So their insurance companies put them and they're like in a rental house. And I couldn't believe how buoyant they sounded when they just lost everything. But that's because of the process they've been through and how they got stood behind. So it's not terrible. And I think we got to we need to change that tone as an industry. Yeah. And the only way you find that out is through tragedy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the people that haven't had it has that has that connotation. People that haven't had it are just paying money they wish they weren't paying and getting nothing right. back for it, right? So that's that's the rub. And then there are some carriers, particularly like one startup uh, that I can think of that starts every ad with insurance companies suck. <laughs> and so it's like a political ad, right? They're like, right. our competitors are boring and unfun and we're like, okay, you're not doing anyone any favors. And by the way, <laughs> you're not actually that innovative. Um, so it's a fast uh, yeah. quote. Guess what? Lots of people have fast quotes, whether they're old or new. Um, you know, the, the customer experience after purchase is not great. The claims handling is not great. So why are you trash talking? Like, why don't you sell your virtues? instead of selling mm. because of this false sense of how lame everyone else is. Like Uber doesn't go around being like, taxis are stupid. They didn't have to, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. Well, Postmates is like, about you want to go pick up your own food? Uh, yeah. No, it's just like, hey, isn't this great? Yep. Right. It is interesting. They're putting the spotlight on the one part of it that really doesn't matter and everybody can do pretty similar. The yeah. quoting. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, no, that's not the important part. The important part is when you have that, that devastating loss, they're there for you. Yeah. Because what could be worse than losing your house and then getting the runaround? Yeah. Like, I mean, awful. Yeah. Right? 100%. Yeah. And like, so like you can get a renter's quote in two minutes or whatever from a particular drink named startup. Like, that's great. Or Yeah. Like, I, I just got a, I got E&O coverage, which is not nearly as simple as uh, as renter's insurance. I got that quote and bound the policy in under three minutes. So 
I don't know what they're singing about. Uh, mm. Three and a half if you include them charging my credit card, so it wasn't technically bound. But <laughs> still, like, this is not 1998, okay? Like, online crediting right. is ubiquitous. It's super fast. There's lots of third-party data sources, so you're not filling in information generally. Um, it's it's just it's a different world. So let's let's truly innovate and sing our own praises. We don't need to trash talk each other. So I think it's a combination of all those things, Craig, that just kind of change the conversation about the industry. But that's a slow burn. Yeah. And so so what did you? Um... So let's let's continue. So so that's where um, the innovation and, and that's halfway through the book. Where yeah. where do we go from there? Well, so, so that was the end of the book. Is the uh, the key takeaways? But like each of the cases has its own set of insights from it, and they're all there's something about each of those cases that's like yeah, there's a particular technology or particular thing that they did, and hopefully that's interesting to people. But what I'm hoping they get is like you read that case and you should be identifying with something about what's going on in there, whether or not you're working on the same thing or not. So like CNA, they worked with this French company called Shift Technology to have this AI model that helps identify fraud. And by the way, people think like, oh, so they're going to be policing everyone. Good identification of fraud also means you're not having false positives. And that was one of their main concerns. So that's like flagging people for fraud that aren't committing fraud. As, mm -hmm. That's workers' comp and auto. So you think about comp, like someone's been injured on the job, they're in pain, they can't work, and now you're going to start investigating them for fraud, which even if they don't know you're doing it, it will slow down the claim process because there's more work going on. So if you can rightly not do that, it means their experience, their recovery is going to be better. So actually having a fraud model like that is not about calling everyone fraudulent and being better at nailing them. It's also about not going through the investigation where you shouldn't. And mm. those models are going to pick out the things you would never catch because you can't see universally the way a model can and help you understand why just because something looked fishy to you doesn't mean it is. Like maybe the last three similar claims were all suspicious, rightfully so. Just because this one presents the same way, it doesn't mean it's fraud. But there's nuances that you as a human being, no matter how skilled you are, are never going to pick out because you're not looking across like 12 million claims you know you're only thinking across everything that you've seen which might be a lot but is not enough to really overcome some of those biases um so that's that's a really cool story but it's also like cna is I don't know, 112 years old something like that um wow. you know large company um they've changed a lot recently so like in the past five ten years so you know lots of structural changes leadership changes um and then you have this French company that's never done anything in the U.S. It's like this AI model in fraud. It could be a threat to your existing staff. They could see it as replacing them. Um, like there's all these nuances that are like, how are they able to move quickly on it? Like they have the thing live pretty fast. Um, that's awesome. And we go through that story. So it's just a bit of like, oh, well, we're too big for that or we're too structured. We have too many rules. Like I've seen CNAs, like their vendor questionnaires, I can tell you, not, I'm not knocking CNA. I think they're perfectly normal. But if you think you have too many, um, you're in good company. Let's just let's just say it like that. They do their due diligence, rightfully so. Um, so for anyone who's like, oh, yeah, they had it, or they've got billions of dollars, it's easy for them. Okay, well, Ohio Mutual doesn't. They're like $250 million. They're mutual. So it's like, well, they're, those guys are a stock company. They can just go raise money or, you know, they 
Well, these guys are mutual, so they can't just go. Mm -hmm. They can't just issue shares and whip up cash. Yeah. Um, you know, like there, there's there's new skiff, the state comp fund of California. Not only are they a state entity, so they report to the governor. Like you talk about internal politics, like those are actual politics. <laughs> yeah. And governor Newsom. Yeah. The, the staff. Everyone's all, favorite. Uh, I'm not going. Play. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but this, the staff are all civil servants and they're unionized. So I can't think hmm. of another insurance company like insurance industry company where like claims adjusters and attorneys are unionized like that's a company yeah. talk about changing the way people work and doing training and like you have to get the unions okay on all those things so if you think that your staff are not engaged or they don't like change yeah but they're not unionized so if you really need to change that is a decision you can make on your own and you can push ahead whether they're on board or not doesn't mean you should but skiff doesn't have that luxury they have to take a totally different tack so for anyone who's like oh well that's great for them but we can't because our 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 complications are real i promise you everyone's complications are real and someone in that book is going through something you're going through so my hope is like that case even if they're working on something you're not working on something in that resonates for you and it's like oh yeah they're they're just like us i get it now i see how they were able to overcome that or how they engage their staff or we thought you never could i just had a call yeah. yesterday with a carrier they're like we're struggling with how to do this and i was like well did you ask your team I'm like oh yeah we we could just ask them if they want to do it i'm like yeah you could then <laughs> <laughs> like and if they say no you were going to say no to begin with but what if they say yes which is what you wish would happen Great. right it just didn't even occur to them like oh we That's could actually so ask our staff funny. if they want this tool yeah yep. yeah folks are so scared of asking, like doing the obvious, you know, asking yeah. the staff, asking, you know, like that's, we say it all the time. Hey, I wonder if so-and-so would like it if we did this contest. Well, did you ask? Yeah. I mean, ask, ask what they want. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's so simple. Um, you mentioned AI. Yeah. We, we just recently had a guest on that, that his whole thing was AI and, and it's just, it's such an interesting subject. Anything to, like, what are your thoughts on that in the future of insurance? And does the book touch on that at all? Yeah, I mean, so there are some AI stuff in there. Um, I think a lot of AI isn't actually AI yet. Um, and people hear it and they're like, oh, that's just a buzzword. And the reality is it's just some really good if-then logic that people have written out. And a lot of the chatbots work that way. They're just looking for specific words and then they have a canned response instead of actually like learning and, and adjusting. Um, so just because that might be the current state of play doesn't mean that will always be. And one of the things about AI or really what you, you want to be thinking about ultimately is machine learning so that the, the process and the, um, the algorithms figure out a better path and see different patterns and know how to respond. Um, those take time to learn. And it doesn't have to be a lot of time, but you have to start somewhere. And so AI and ML become a conversation where there's a lot of like, oh, but you know, we can't get there or it's not going to give us the value today. You can't have both. You, know, you can't be mm. poor. You can't claim to be poor and drive a Ferrari. Like you have to pick <laughs> one or the other. Right. So this is a case where like, you know what? You actually, you should play around. You should find some pockets where you can pilot and, and try and grow because as you do that, the knowledge base grows and the, the solutions get smarter. Um, and the cool thing is, and this is one of the, the big differences, is if you've grown up in the industry, 
tech and innovation are scary because they're huge projects. You know, I was saying to someone, it's like um, you're in your eight of a three-year new pro new system initiative. It's like, wait, you mean the other way around, right? Year three of an eight. I'm like, no, it was a three-year initiative and you're on year eight because that's the way these things go, right? Like, that's what we think of. It's this huge process and we're going to spend like five times more than we thought and it's going to be half as good as we hoped in 10 times the, the time. Um, the reality is there's a whole new generation of tools out there that are much more flexible. You can deploy them in bits and pieces. You can run them on the side and see, you know, if they work out before you commit more to them. And the way that we can integrate is totally different today through APIs. So it doesn't have to be this huge <coughs> IT endeavor. Um, that's all just totally different. So you can play around with AI without being like a hundred million dollar, you know, like 300 person um, endeavor. Like it, it can be, I mean, there's some of these things it's like it's a team of six working on something for a billion dollar business like mm. something transformational for a billion dollar business the xxl case that's a a unit that's now generated four billion in premium and the project team that did all the innovation here at its core is five people and then they wow. had this uh this tech company outside and of course they always had the ideas when the budget was basically spent like things come to light it's like oh we got to do this and it's like we have 50 grand left in the budget how are we going to do this? Um, that's the other thing. And, and I think that's changing today, especially, um, you know, in the context of COVID-19 is like, there's all these digital interaction initiatives that if you have the money, whether you budgeted it or not, you have the money and it's a net positive or it's a necessity. Now I've seen some carriers are like, well, we'll have to budget for that next year. It's like, you're not going to get the chance. So it, right. I get it. If you actually don't have the capital to do it, or you can't readjust things so that you create the capital, but making those decisions based on what's in your business plan is rational business management. And you need to have some flexibility because you are going to come across situations that you didn't plan for or opportunities that are so, the ROI is so solid and you need to get working on them that you do need to be able to flex. And I just saw a carrier yesterday who's like, normally we'd say like, yeah, we're good to go we'll budget it for 2021 and then we'll reevaluate. And you know, that means when budgeting time comes around, like is the CFO going to cut that project or <laughs> right. just like we actually have the cash, even though this wasn't budgeted. And this has been such a benefit in the free pilot that we got. Cause a lot of startups will do that. Like it's worth us going over budget to bring this out now. And it's a digital communication platform. So they're like, we exactly need these things today. You know, you can't yeah. operate without this stuff. So, being more flexible in that respect. Yeah, I think the the, the legacy carriers and, and just the, I mean, most companies uh, in in the insurance space are legacy companies, even the smaller agencies and stuff. And it's really hard to innovate when it seems, from what I've seen, I mean, I who knows? But anyways, uh, I I would say that it's harder with people that the the longer you've done something, the harder it is to change. The, things yeah. right yeah. where it's like if you're coming fresh into something it's like ah i'm not even going to do any of that stuff i'm going to do it this way because this way is the best you know what i mean yeah. you don't even think about the old way right. um it's just interesting how that all plays out uh with insurance yeah. especially moving forward and and now this year it's like everybody's like pedal to metal yeah uh, it's all been turned up to 11 now totally yeah and it's to 11 yeah i do see that in the agency space a lot so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, agencies that, you know, maybe it's been a family business, they've done really well, but um, 
the next generation isn't necessarily interested. Right. And so you see, you know, that's even even harder for them to change then. Um, and then you've got some like 30 something agents, who, you know, age wise that are like, we grew up with different tools. And, you know, so they're thinking about agency management systems differently. And they're thinking about how they interact with their, their insureds differently. Um, so I am seeing this sort of split of like two different versions of what an insurance agency looks like. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But I think there is some history in there. And the cool thing is it doesn't have to be that way, you know, because I've also mm -hmm. seen agents who are 50, 60 something years old that are actually surprisingly digital and nimble. So the flexibility is there. It's a question of all that comes back to like culture and attitude. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what you're saying. You don't have to be all in or all out. Just you got to start. You got to start. You got to get on the track so that you're running in the race, even yeah. if it's just a little bit here or there. It makes those transitions a lot easier when they're needed, I yeah. think. Yeah. And That's the thing cool, with, man. with insureds is like these little moments, it's not about reinventing everything. I mean, that's great, but it's innovating the little moments of interactions with them that their expectations are low, their desires have their expectations <laughs> right. low. So when you do something that, look, every other industry they interact with as a consumer or as a business, like is already doing the like digital payments or whatever. When you do that insurance, they're actually really pleasantly surprised. You know, like, oh, I can do this all, like I can sign this on my phone, great. Well, like they've been doing that with lots of other things, but they just didn't right. think we'd be doing that. So you don't <laughs> have to reinvent the wheel, you can bring these little pieces of a more modern experience into the equation and people are pleasantly surprised. And that just lowers that. I mean, going back to that point of how do we move the perception, let's interact with them the way that they wish we were and the way that they are with everyone else in their life. Yeah. Yeah. That human, it's funny, the, the further we go with technology, the more the human element is needed. Um, I think too many times we try to go to digital on things and then yeah. it removes the 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 human element out of it which is the component that that really sells or really makes someone feel like they want to be with that company or, or yeah. whatever it is and as soon as that human element's gone i mean it doesn't matter how good the tech is it's yeah. just not going to be the same yeah and if the if the process or the tech is a failure you're setting that human up no matter how great and empathetic and supportive and knowledgeable they are, you're setting them up to disappoint the customer through no fault of their own. Right. So like you could have an incredible agent who knows exactly what they're doing or an IA who's going out to the property who, you know, they're going to do a great job adjusting that claim and the insured's going to end up very pleasantly surprised with how much they got stood behind to get their life back together and get their house back together or their car or whatever. But you know, the, they don't have a drone, they're this and that. And so it's like, it takes forever. And, you know, there's lots of back and forth, not because that IA wasn't capable, but because they didn't have any of the tools they needed to make that a painless experience for their human side to shine through. Mm. Um, so these are, to me, like enabling and facilitating are probably the two, like kind of meaning the same thing, but like, those are the words I look for when I'm like, well, what, what tech can we use? It's not about replacement of insurance. Mm -hmm. It's about making the intention of that coverage come through loud and clear, which is removing the painfulness of the process. Love it. That is a good way to look at it. Well, so you've, you've done an incredible amount of research for your book. Um, 
what would you say is, I mean, what's on the horizon? What is the one thing, if you had to pick one thing that you're super optimistic, excited about the future that you see uh, as a common thread throughout all these companies yeah. and everything? What would that I be? Do, so I, like, I, I don't, I don't think there's a particular coverage or innovation to point to. And part of that is because I was spanning like commercial and personal and small and big and, and you know, a lot of different spaces. And there's a story like that in each one of them. Um, but what I do see is the kind of points that I was saying about like your customers and your staff, there does seem to be a movement in the industry to get there. And part of it sparked by you know, employee engagement is much more important and like all the HR survey worlds, like they're all focusing on that. So I think that's helping. Um, I think the generations that are making up the majority of the workforce as that shifts to one with maybe higher expectations and interest in themselves, that will also lead to maybe pushing for more employee engagement and like voicing because, you know, millennials tend to speak up like voicing their desires for what they want. So I think that that also will shift us in terms of our openness to change. Um, but then the whole design think or design thinking movement, that's something that's pervading lots of industries and it is it is spreading in insurance. It's still not across the board, but that's becoming much more common. And that that is a few really important principles. One of them is about speaking firsthand to the customer and hearing from them directly, which is like, that's my first rule. So, you know, as that becomes a more common way of looking at problems or opportunities, it's going to help enhance the connectivity to the customer. And it has mechanisms for what you do with what you hear. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, we asked them. Now, anyway, let's get back to this thing that we care about. It's like, well, you asked them, and that needs to now define the whole process. So, you know, going through a customer journey map forces you to really think about each piece of the process and what their life looks like relative to you. That's not a perspective many carriers historically have taken. So some right. of these tools that are becoming, I mean, like Skiff trained every single employee in the company, like administrative assistants, everyone, not just underwriters and the innovation people. They all got trained on design thinking, like even with the unions. That's wild. <laughs> but imagine, and so all their people ended up participating in these, um, not workshops, but kind of like, little innovation boot camps and then came up with ideas and they created a portfolio of all these innovative ideas that their people came up with and they've implemented over half of them like that's wow. that's not that's not nor i mean this in a good way but like that's not normal <laughs> right yeah right? for our industry or any so that just speaks to like that's a groundswell movement and i totally. that has changed when you talk to people there the energy for a state a state-owned carrier of last resort monoline you know like you can describe them any way you want that just sets you up to expect even less of the energy that's there but my, those people are so energized and driven to where they're taking the company and i can say the same for pretty much anyone in the book or i mean it's only seven so i can say that for all seven but i am seeing that more and more across the board um so that's what excites me because it's what comes out of that that's going to be really interesting and I know that's it. not specific or what you're actually hoping for, but that's just the truth. Like, I don't know the specifics because no one really does. Right. But the basis yeah. to come up with those things and do something with them, that's what's getting me energized. I love it. Well, uh, Brian, that's so awesome. Brian Falchuk, the uh, future of insurance from disruption to evolution on Amazon now. We'll put the link down at the bottom. It's a must read if you're in this business. And I think if you're listening, 
you are in this business. Um, <laughs> so, hey, we appreciate you coming on. We will get you on the next book. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, great yeah, catching up. Thank you so you. much. Thanks, great guys. catching up. See ya. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the Insurance Dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.